Welcome back to another episode of Let's Face the Facts. This is the podcast where I invite a friend to my house, pry them with food, watch an episode of The Facts of Life, then I hit record and we talk about it. And you listen to it. And I love you for that. I'm your host, David Almeida. I'm an actor in Orlando, Florida. And with this podcast, I hope you'll join me in worshiping the facts of life and allow me to introduce you to many of the amazingly talented actors and artists we have living and working here in Central Florida. This week, my guest is Trinell Mooring. I've known Trinell for over a decade now, and we've worked together pretty regularly with the citizens of Hollywood on the streets of Hollywood Studios. We've done legitimate plays together. We've done a fringe show together that actually ran in both Orlando and Atlanta. So we've, we've got a lot of history there. The episode we watched is season one, episode 12, Molly's Holiday, with an original air date of June 4th, 1980. There's nothing really more to say here. Let's jump on in. This is me with Trinell Mooring. Well, here I am. I'm sitting with the lovely and talented Trinell Mooring. Oh my goodness, hello. I'm Cue so the applause track, cue the laughter track. She is fabulous <laughs> and funny. Um, you and I first met doing a play, a two-person show. Yes. In 2007, 11 years ago. Was that 2007? That was, because your 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 boy was a, he was very, like, yeah, yeah, he, was he was a baby baby. Cause he, yeah, he was born in September of 2006, so he would have been yeah, so he little. Was, yeah, you, you, I remember you you didn't have a kid, you had a baby. I had a baby. <laughs> I had a, he was still fresh. And um, yeah. it was a great play, called hate mail yeah um, like a little parody or offshoot of uh love letters mm-hmm. and we never really spoke to each, to each other you know in a in a scene it was all a series of letters and post-it notes and stuff like that yes uh it was such a fun show and i, I still like to see someone else remount it yeah not, not with us but no, i just with mean us. That somebody no. else should do it it's yeah, a good I think, show i think with us i yeah yeah. <laughs> and it was uh, co-written by Bill Corbett, better, best known as Brain Guy on Mystery Science Theater yes, 3000. Yes, yes. And his writing partner's name was Kira Obaleski. Well done, you. I can't remember who wrote. Yeah, <laughs> who wrote I'll it. try to give credit where credit's due. I'll put it in the on the website, on the blog. So, uh, Trinell and I just sat and watched season one, episode 12 of The Facts of Life. Yes. Called Molly's Holiday. And wow, it was, as far as episodes go, this was one of them. Yeah, it, it, that thing happened. <laughs> well, to tell you the truth, I don't really remember the, the first season when there was like 50, 11 girls running yeah. up and down um, the little dormitory area. I, I remember when it was just Blair, Joe, Tootie, and Natalie. Mm-hmm. And you was, are not alone yeah. in that. Most people, the show... To so many people, the show didn't exist and it didn't catch on yeah. until that happened. So this first season, um, when the first season credit started playing, uh, Trinell, out loud, you went, oh, it's coming back. Slowly, like, like, like the headmaster, like, oh, that that guy. I, for- yeah. I forgot about the, that, that man. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a bad fever dream or an <laughs> acid trip like, from our childhood. I took NyQuil, woke up, and this, <laughs> this is what happened. Yeah. So um, before we get into it, I always ask the person just uh, what their relationship to the show is. So you did watch this growing up? I did. I you did. You are younger than I am, but there was still an intersection, I believe, in your childhood. You don't have to say how old you are, but... I'm 44. Whoa! <gasps> well, you are six years younger than I am. 
And um, so that means I was 11 mm. when the show premiered in 1979. Was so it in 79? Yeah, 79 to 80. Mm-hmm. So what we just watched was spring of 80. Okay. Um, so I was 11. And so you would have been five. Yeah. You were five. But do you, I mean, I remember, I remember TV shows when I was I five. Did, I remember. Clearly. You know, I remember Miss Garrett on. Um, Different Strokes. D- different Strokes. Yeah. And that was the year before. That was, <laughs> she left at the end of 79. Yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, I have vivid, vivid memories of the original Sonny and Cher yeah. comedy hour. That premiered in 72 and I was four. I think it's easy. I'm probably just talking out of my. Um, but <laughs> Out of I your feel, hoo-hoo, go ahead. <laughs> well, now, now. Among no. your many talents <laughs> yeah. that people don't know. I used to do burlesque. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, there's just doing that many shows back then. So, yeah. you know, but now kids got so many shows, they probably you know don't remember all the stuff they've seen. It, it didn't have a lasting impression as they did with us. But as, as an African-American woman... God, I feel so lofty and fall, fall, asking you. Trinell as Morin, one of the blacks. Is, 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 <laughs> I did not say the B word. <laughs> I did not, the blacks. <laughs> Trinell, as my black friends. <laughs> I love that whisper. The Midwestern. I love the, I love the white whisper. <laughs> and she was my friend and she was <laughs> that, that, oh, look at that lovely black family down there. Steve Miller, my best friend, is from mm-hmm. Iowa. And uh-huh. he is like, he has got the, the perfect, he grew up, he was raised on the, the whispered word of black. Mm-hmm. Um, so was there any memories f- for you as a child? See, I mean, in the 70s, there were black people on television yeah. in the 70s. Yeah. It wasn't a wasteland. Yeah. But what was particularly a little girl. Yeah. Was there any influence or... Well, I kind of like the idea of Tootie because, you know, she went to this really cool school and... Privileged. You know, privileged. And she wasn't distraught. I mean, I like good times, but that wasn't my life. I didn't grow up destitute and like, you in know... In the projects. In the project. Yeah. I lived in the suburbs of Houston. So <laughs> so it was kind of cool to see a little girl that was... I mean, I, I didn't go to a private school, but kind of like me, you know, mm-hmm. I was black. Yeah. And surrounded by other, you know, white students. And it was just, it was a you know? thing. So, okay. I, I, I didn't uh, know fully because I, I don't know a lot about your childhood, but we'll get about, we'll get yeah. into that later. On the age spectrum, I am slightly older than Tootie. Okay. Kim Fields. I think she was, was she was a little girl. That's why they put her in roller skates because she yes. was little. Yeah. And she was like, she was, she was young, not even physically small she was younger than most of the girls she was nine when she was cast (laughs) i think by the time the show premiered she was 10 yeah and she's playing 12 and we get into a little interesting puberty thing here going on uh but uh so um i just wanted to sort of contextualize you and the show i mean yeah i I liked her and i i dug the fact that you know it's just a little girl she's happened to be black just living her little girl life it wasn't about yeah, and you the know, show rarely was. Yeah. It was they very rarely brought that into the show. Yeah. It was kind of a. I've wondered if Norman Lear how involved he was, and he was like, uh, uh-uh, uh, not doing a good times again. No, just, I got a room full of white writers just <laughs> write a show about people. Just and yeah, Tootie yeah. could have been any race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it very rarely factors in yeah. strongly. Um, so uh, before we start, I sometimes forget and I sometimes remember to ask my guest. To give a just a two sentence synopsis of the entire show that we've just watched, yeah. like what you'd read in TV Guide. TV Guide. 
Remember that magazine? Oh remember remember I magazines? The, I love the TV guide. Oh my God. Um, Molly's mad her parents are divorced. She doesn't want to go home. Bingo. That's <laughs> what it boils down to. Yeah. She's mad and this is the, on the, the frequency of very special Facts of Life that's episodes. What I, that's what I thought. On a very special. Tonight, on a very special, special facts, facts of, of Life. Oh, this show was full of angst. Uh, it was. It was so it was angsty. So, yeah. But, I mean, Norman, the fact that Norman Lear was involved was a good thing because he had already conditioned the country over the past decade that it's a sitcom, but we can have, yeah. we can handle hardcore stuff. And um, it's like, you know, thinking about, you know, all in the family. Yeah. You know, and then you have the scene where after Gloria's miscarriage, where Archie oh, I forgot. sits I don't... on her bed to comfort her. And it's like, if I talk about it too much, I will start to cry. It's. I don't remember that Beautiful. One. Yeah. And, uh, but Norman Lear was kind of the first, the, the pioneer of that who said, you know, sitcoms can be funny, but they can also be very serious. And sometimes I can sneak super serious shit mm-hmm. in through because you're laughing at it. Yeah. And, um, his stamp on this show is is very, very evident with how many episodes there are here. Um, you know, they don't always handle them the best way, like the writing of this episode. Oh, man. <laughs> it was. In my head, I was like, okay, is it because I'm looking at it through a 2018, almost 2019 sensibility? Mm, yeah. Or was this kind of... Yeah, it was, it's pretty, pretty rough oh, in many, many ways. So let a- us get into it. The scene, the show begins as it has so often this entire season <laughs> with busy work. There's yeah. a thing going on and everyone is busy with Rushing the up thing. and down the stairs. Yeah, it, we, we, we've had the Fall Harvest Festival. We've had parent, uh, uh, parent teacher, not parent teacher, what am I trying to say? A career night. Uh, okay. We've had career night. We had, you know, all these, there's always something going on. So they have to create something some type of an event. And what is happening here is the girls are preparing to leave school for spring break. Ah, yes. And um, so it is... Let's start with Mrs. Garrett. Number one, her hair is a little smaller in this episode. I mentioned the hair. I have been obsessed (laughs) with Charlotte's Ray hair when I was a little girl. And today, I don't know... Is it hairspray? I don't know what it is. Is it hairspray? From my observation, some of them you've seen, there's a fuck ton of hairpins yeah. in the back. But it is it is teased up. It's her hair. You can tell a wig in yeah. the 70s. You can tell a wig yes. in the 70s. It's just teased up. It's just all back combed, teased up. And then you think it's over, and boom, bun in the back. The big bun. <laughs> and today we have a very large bun. There's yeah. been, there have been varying sizes of buns. We did get one episode with a uh, cascading spit curl ponytail looking thing. That looked like rid- Barbarella? <laughs> <laughs> it, it looked ridiculous. It was like like you wanted a couple more to come down over her shoulder and have her be like, Red Butler, you scoundrel. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but the thing is, we've, we've seen variations on a theme of Mrs. Garrett's hair. It's always just massive. Because they're trying to give her height and volume and size yeah. to decentuate her, you know, pear-shaped, portly. She's, I don't think she's five foot tall. She's Ish. tiny. Um, but the thing is, this episode, her hair is a little bit smaller yeah. than I think all the previous episodes I recall. Not by much, but just a sense of, oh, we're, we're it's almost looking normal. Yeah. Not yeah. quite. 
But, but there's a lot of hair in it, the Facts of Life, like uh, a Blair and that blonde girl, the from, Sue Ann, Sue Ann, that, and yeah. the, the dark hair girl who's now like all the ones that got cut. <laughs> <laughs> the ones I don't care about. That would be Nancy. Oh, just um, just yeah. Just, 80s hair is so 80s and again early 80s is still a lot the 70s so it's the long straight parted in the middle marsha brady hair a little a a thickness a wave a little wave you might have put some rollers in it and all that and blair's has got just a little extra curl in it because blair is blair now is blair supposed to be from where she's supposed to be new york city yeah i mean upper west side up texas though Lisa, oh, oh, Lisa Welch. Yes, she can't hide that Texas accent. Yeah, her twang. Yeah, she her, can't. She can't shake it. Her twang it. comes out. In particular, um, I somebody I, I was looking at season two, episode one, which is coming up, the the one where we meet Joe finally, mm. and it's like <laughs> the very first scene, and I think she's turns to something about like. Uh, you know, well, I think they were supposed to be getting our bags from outside. Like she, <laughs> she does a beyond like, it's like the director should have called cut and went Lisa. <laughs> they might have tried. Yeah. That might have been the best of the take. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but yeah, no, she is from uh, she is from New York City. She's mm. absolutely totally Upper West Side mm. uh, and all that. So in the cacophony of all the chaos, mm. Mrs. Garrett is really loud. She's doing a lot of so damn shouting. Loud. She's, I mean, like, wow, girls, you've got to get your luggage. Mm. She's. You're gonna miss your airplane. Yeah, and yeah, she's the big thing is getting putting a fire under the girls to get him busy because you're gonna miss your airplane, and um, we she just mentions going home for a few days. Yeah. Later we realize this is spring break, um, so uh, she tells them to put their luggage on the porch, and of course we have to have the joke of I thought I told and loudly I thought I told you to put your luggage on the porch. We did. Well, then whose is this? Blair. Yup, 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 Because Blair's rich and she has a lot of a luggage. luggage. <laughs> There's no funnier way in the world of comedy than to dictate a person's, than to indicate a person's wealth by the amount of luggage they have. Yeah. That, that is that is comedy evergreen. It really is. Um, so we've got that going on. Uh Blair to I take notes I take copious notes I see and then I can't read them and I don't remember oh, what no, the fuck oh no I can't yeah I can't read I was like uh, mama Molly nah I can't read anything Blair and Tootie advise bra no rush oh 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 that's right she's going to Bloomingdale's and then Tootie says she's going to go to the, find herself a bra and there's so many like boob references to yes. poor nine year old Tootie or it, 12 but she, it, yeah but what's funny is I, because they keep talking about her bus size, and then when Kim Fields grows up, she has this huge busty. She's a busty girl. <laughs> I I mentioned that in an earlier episode, and I think I ended up cutting it. I'm not sure, but because I'm just like, why am why am I am I middle aged gay man talking about a ten year old's tits? But, <laughs> ten, but year, you are, ten year olds have tits. <laughs> but that's just it, and yeah. this is one of many references to. Tootie being the little, the, the youngest of the, ah, oh, well, someday I'm going to develop that. Someday it's going to happen. It's like, she's tan yeah, and it's going to happen. It's fine. It's, it's just, like, she's kind of on track. I'd be worried if she yeah. was old. You got yeah. a rack at 10 years yeah, old. Exa- Not it's, that it's, it's fine if you have a rack at 10. Sometimes hormones in the milk uh, is fine. You're, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Love your body. Disclaimer. <laughs> love your body. Asterisk. So, yeah, what we're talking about, just to recap, is... Tootie, who is from D.C., by the way, uh, her father is um, works with the government 
and um, Tootie is from DC. So Blair is talking to Tootie as though it is clear Tootie is spending her spring break in New York City for some reason. Mm. So Blair is like, you've got to do this, you've got to do that, and then you've got to go to <gasps> Bloomingdale's. And Tootie says, oh, great, I'll, I'm going to buy a bra when I get there. Yeah, like, oh, you take your time. Yeah, yeah. Blair is like, no rush. Because you're flat. Yeah, because you're tan. <laughs> Jesus. Um, so, uh, yes, but it is funny how it, how prophetic Tootie talking about in other episodes developing. And then we know now that Kim Fields did develop yeah. and then some. She wished so hard. I must, I must, must. I must <laughs> increase my bust. So among the girls going to different places back home, Sue Ann, who is uh, archetype speaking, Sue Ann is the country girl. Yes. As you can tell, she is going back to Kansas City and Kansas City, Kansas, not Kansas City, Missouri. So we're talking the boonies. Just straight up Kansas. And um, Sue Ann and Blair have had this frenemy relationship. What what started that? Do you know? Um, uh, A writer who was 50 sitting in the writer's room. And they have had this frenemy relationship, and it usually succeeds. It usually works as far as they have used them as kind of being, in this, the point, counterpoint, the idea yeah. that Blair, when, when Mrs. Garrett was considering returning to her husband, uh, Blair was the one going, if there's anything wrong, do not take him back. Uh-huh. And Sue Ann is the one going, oh, but true love can overcome anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've, we've used them dramatically as sort of the the angel and devil on the shoulder in yeah. in various circumstances and in this this is no different as far as um down the road we'll we'll get to it but for now we've got their relationship and it's um oh sue sue Ann says oh blair says oh you're going back to kansas city kansas um excuse me while i bar for something and then Sue Ann retorts with, yeah, well, you know what you can do with New York. Cut to reaction shot of Blair and crickets chirping. Nah, it's not working. Like, <laughs> I know they had the applaud or the ooh sign and then the audience no. still didn't even want to like, no. <laughs> yeah. You see, uh, we've, I've had debates with various people who talk about the soundtrack of the show. Uh, I'm sorry, about the, the laugh track of the show. It's off. And well, I... I really don't think they used one. I'm not saying I am right and yeah. that I know anything. I'm saying by my observation, I don't think they did because there are enough moments like this yeah. where if there was ever a moment to sweeten it, we even had a, a vaudevillian reaction shot from Blair yeah. of, ooh, she got my goat by saying that. Yeah, there was nothing. There was no ooh or a cricket, clap. Or, cricket, yeah, cricket. it's like it they was, got the maybe they got the basic laugh track plan. Why the fuck weren't somebody got fired? Yeah. They're, not, they're not using it. <laughs> they, they don't know how to do their job. <laughs> they were like the laugh track's not working. Fire those four girls. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't bring it in the laughs and bring, the oohs. Yeah, bring in the lesbian. <laughs> uh, so then the phone rings uh-huh. and Mrs. Garrett answers it and it is Dr. Parker. Ah. Dr. Parker is Molly's dad. You know what was funny about going talking about Molly? Like Miss Garrett could not read the room. Molly is sulking I, on <laughs> the yes. couch the entire time. Yeah. Giving like one syllable um answers. Just yeah. just 
just and, not having it. And, and Mrs. Garrett is like all the other girls. About- get up! I have to put a fire under you. You need to be packed. You need to go. I do a bad Mrs. Garrett for everybody. That's all right. That's Free, all right. Feel free to add your own to the plethora. <laughs> oh, no, <it> doesn't. <laughs> Don't choke. I don't don't know the Heimlich maneuver, so if you choke, I'm just going to have to leave you here. (laughs) There's the door lock behind (laughs) Body found with podcast mic in hand. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll have to print the other mic to see who killed him. Uh, (laughs) Um, So it's Dr. Parker. And that's one good thing the show does throughout is that Natalie's father is Dr. Green. Yeah. Uh, Blair's father is, he's just like a mogul. Yeah. He, like Warner Enterprises yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So they certainly do keep up the, they they do already here at the very least understand that if this is a privileged girls school that the fathers do need to be professionals. And yeah, yeah. Tootie's dad's a lawyer. Yeah. Uh, that sort of thing. So um, I think both of Tootie's parents are lawyers actually. Um, are they the Huxtables? What? <gasps> um, so Dr. Parker's on the phone, and so um, Mrs. Garrett is like, Molly, your dad's on the phone. And what does Molly say? Tell him I'm not here. Or something well, like that. I can't tell him you're not here. Yes, you can. But lie. that, yeah, lie. Exactly. She's like, tells Mrs. Garrett, lie. Lie. And then she's like, you have to talk to your dad. He's on the phone. And she actually says, um, I hate him. Oh. She says full on, I hate him. And now, because this is a Molly-centric episode, we know that the chronicles of this podcast has been David meticulously tracking which Molly we get in every episode. Sometimes we get chatty Molly. Mm. Sometimes we get feminist Molly. Uh. And sometimes feminist Molly spills over into political activist Molly. And in this episode, we clearly have chatty Molly. Man Molly. And uh, yeah. So what happens is she's like, what do you mean you hate your dad? And she does a chatty Molly monologue. Yeah, of like, yeah. Leave me. They left my mom, blah, blah, blah. blah, 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 blah. And they moved hey. out. And, it's, yeah. all over, it's all very personal. I don't want to get into it. Yeah, <laughs> which is funny. And then Mrs. Garrett says, oh, so what I understand is, and then the joke of this bit yeah. is that, so your father moved out. Your parents are getting a divorce. No, <laughs> And now I'm starting to talk like you. Yeah. Um, One thing I did like about this part was when she was like, I don't want to talk to him and storming up and Miss Gary's like, please, please, uh, talk to your father. And when she puts her father on hold, I was like, I can't believe this woman is going to let this little girl get away with this attitude. And she yells at her, you you need to talk to your father. I'm like, well played. That's how you you, you show him who's running things, Miss Garrett. Yes. (laughs) But they do it in that sense of... um, Oh, I'll see if yeah. she's here. <laughs> Get out of the phone! <laughs> and that whole... Oh God, you should see what the levels just did. <laughs> Your um, computer's melting. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea that, you know, okay, you know, Mrs. Garrett playing this gamut of emotions, yeah. that's comedy. And it's so much. Uh, it's, I'm exhausted. It, it's and like you can see it a mile away. Yeah, and, and that's it. And it's it's so labored. And mm. she is Charlotte Ray's been doing this a long time. Yeah. And she is getting she's getting no help. No. Um so uh she Mrs. Garrett chases Molly physically around the building to get her to answer the phone and Molly runs upstairs and Mrs. Garrett just can't see her way to getting up the stairs. No, she cannot, nope. cannot be bothered. Not, this is not happening. So 
she talks to the dad. The dad says he's at a gas station already in Peekskill. Oh, oh, when I heard Peekskill, I just like their wave of like memories came oh, back. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> that's where it took place. Yeah. And it's an actual place, and I have no idea what it's like if there's a school there or if it... We don't really get a sense Meth of... Meth capital of the world. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Number one in homeless people. <laughs> Yay! Oh, we, we do not know. If anyone if anyone is actually from Peekskill is ever listening to this, I would love to have a conversation with you to find out what Peekskill is like. How's your meth? Yeah. <laughs> That's their t-shirts. Yeah. How's, How's ask, your meth? Ask us about our meth. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's probably true. Oh, I'm going to look it up after this. You should. Um, so uh, we know, Mr. Uh, sorry, Dr. Parker is going to be here. Mm. Um so then Cindy says, I know how. And Blair says three. Oh, oh. Uh, so the cat's out of the bag. What's weird to me is, is this the first time Mrs. Garrett is learning that Molly's in this situation? Mrs. Garrett doing the joke of repeating the chatty thing. It's like, so did Mrs. Garrett not know this before? It sounded like nobody knew any of this. Yeah. I like when did this go down? Was it, did this happen during, I don't know, Christmas break? Like I, what, who knows? There's yeah. Some, yeah. There's some but the plot thing is, holes. Yeah. Typically if, you know, a divorce is happening, parents will typically tell the school, yeah. you know, our, oh, our daughter doesn't live with us. If you want to keep an eye on her, cause she yeah. might be going through some yeah, shit. Yeah. She's act, acting kind of like sad or yeah, she sitting starts... on the couch sulking while everybody's <laughs> packing to get ready to go and she hasn't packed uh, item one yet yeah she's like she's cutting herself she's, she's literally she's... sitting there um not that's not something to be made light of or made fun of no no but it's funny <laughs> oh my um, god <laughs> so the scoop is um they so the apparently this is now that cat is out of the bag yeah so cindy to my surprise, Cindy is one of the most one-dimensional characters. She's the tomboy. She's the one who we think oh, might be a lesbian. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In the first season. Yeah. In the first episode, rather, in the pilot. So Cindy is like, I know how you feel. And then Blair turns and says, you're an amateur. I've been through this three times. Yeah. Which is true. We have established that. Yeah. That is a good continuity thing. But we <gasps> never talked about Cindy's parents being split up. That's new information. Can we talk about continuity right we now? We may talk about okay. anything right now. When Molly was downstairs, she was in a little red jumper outfit. <gasps> and when she went upstairs, she did a costume change and she was in pink. Wow. <laughs> yes. So in her sulking anger at her father and yeah. her refusal yeah. to go with him away. So she's going to stay at the school alone because it's going to close, I guess. I, no one's I mean, going to be there. Everybody's gone. You know, my, my college closed. I can't imagine. I, I just thought it was funny that she, she changed her outfits like she you do. Pink. You know what? I know why she changed because she thought she looked pretty in pink. Pretty in pink. <gasps> Tranel, no. you are on a roll. I know. Girl. But yeah, I saw that. I'm like, what? That's not the same. Because she's the scene opens. I did not notice the that. The scene opens with her in the pink outfit and she's buckling it up. Like she literally changed her clothes. Oh, oh, so they even played that, okay, this is why they're okay, so they're at least they're justifying. But it, it was still weird. Like, why did she change? Yeah, that is uh, that is very odd. <laughs> I, I will not argue that. Maybe point the either. red outfit was maybe she hadn't quite decided she wasn't gonna go, so that was her traveling. Um, overall outfit and yeah that's her lounging overall it's and and again why isn't she dressed in black and you know we we could have gone full goth with this yes. and again they would have been like oh 
something's wrong. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so Molly is upstairs and the girls go up after her. And then in comes Mr. Fucking Bradley. Ugh. And the joke, the alleged, um, you know, clearly the comedy that is being attempted here is we've always seen him in a suit and tie. And now he's dressed like, um, she says, you look like you're going to a singles bar uh, and a beach or something. He's got on a suede jacket and like a turtleneck and a gold chain and aviator sunglasses. It is and, and uncomfortable. It, it is. <laughs> and he's got and he's got this man purse where it's like. You know, he's like, well, I'm off on vacation. It's like, well, if your car is parked outside and you're just popping in to say goodbye, because he pops into this girl's dorm way too much. A lot, a lot. Way too much. Yeah. Um, So it's like, why would you care? That would be, you know, why would, if a woman grabbed her purse out of habit. Yeah. Because I'm just going to run inside and say goodbye. But he, why does he need this brief Casey man baggy merce? It, the whole thing was weird, and there's just a yeah. lot of references to him trying to get some tail. Yeah, <laughs> yes. like, I was so uncomfortable for like we have a nine year old. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and and he was the one that didn't want the sex education class to oh, happen outside God. of the regular standard curriculum. And we used to have a love interest for him in Miss Mahoney, but she was let go after five episodes. Oh, the woman with the poodle perm, and um. Uh, it, it's like one of those, like, oh, gee, should we have not gotten rid of Miss Mahoney? And it's like, no, you should have also gotten rid of Mr. Bradley. Yeah, which they yeah, did yeah, yeah, yeah. Figure out eventually, because he just adds nothing. Just but for the creep factor. Of- yeah, he talks about going to Club Med. He's going to Hawaii on his mm. vacation. Well, we must make a lot of nice little salary on our. And this is his first year. It's like, wow. Yeah, he's going to Hawaii alone, right? Alone to like a a club med where he's planning on finding some, you know, I think the idea is getting away from the teenage little girls and there's going to be some adult women there is the way he puts it, which is good because he spends too much fucking time. so much time with those little girls. In the bedroom. He's, he's, Not in the living room. You see, constantly see him just... The way in sitcoms, the way people yeah. come in the front door yeah. of their friend's house and they never lock their doors, yeah. he just walks into the bedroom nope. where the beds are. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope, nope. Shut that shit down. Nope. Me too. Hashtag, <laughs> mean. hashtag time's up, Mr. <laughs> or Bradley. Is it, is the 80s, so it was like, pound sign, me too. <laughs> tic-tac-toe. <laughs> tic-tac-toe, it's me tic-tac-toe, me too. Tic-tac-toe, me too. Oh, jeez. Um... And as has happened before, um, he is presented as a boorish asshole. Mm-hmm. Mrs. Garrett, well, well, as has happened before, there's a crisis and a thing going on. And so what does Mrs. Garrett do? As the woman who is usually the one who goes in, solves the problems, supports people, and makes them feel better, she turns to Mr. Bradley looking for his guidance and his direction, which she never gets. And when she does get it, it is never effective. Aren't you going to stay? Yeah. But Mm. you you can't go on vacation. Molly's upset. We're having a crisis here. She's being divorced. Don't you think you should do something? And what does he say? Oh, they're getting divorced. Well, they got to figure out who's paying the the tuition and who signed the check. Exactly. (laughs) It's like, really? That's, it's one of those, that's not a funny line. That's an that, asshole line. That's a, yeah, that, that I mean, is, I totally supported him 
leaving. It's his vacation. It's really not. He, yeah. Just stay in your lane. Like, you know. Yeah, exactly. I wish the parents would have called me. That's weird. I could have helped the girl. But uh, yeah, exactly. The, the, yeah, the uh, check thing was a little much. That was that was like a blatant lack of empathy. Yeah. Which you kind of need to be an educator. <laughs> and, and you're the headmaster. Again, stay in your lane. We've already de- dealt with the fact that we've already had him teaching a literature class where they had to turn in a poem. Suddenly he was a teacher. But he's the headmaster. That is his actual title. Why is he concerned with who's signing the checks? That's another person's job. That's like the board or the... (laughs) Yeah. And you as an educator, I kind of think it's your job to not pay any attention to that shit of who is paying for what and who donates more to the school. You got to make sure that everyone is getting an equal education. I don't think he was a... He wasn't good at his job either. No. Exactly. And um, so... The, uh, she says, Mrs. Get, oh, another shout. She needs our help. How can you run out? Like this. Like this. <laughs> um, what does he say? Like this? Does he, does he put on his glasses and walk out or something? I mean, that sounds about he, right. He, he makes a, what I wrote down as a half clap exit. It was another sad They thought the <gasps> audience was going to be so amused oh, by him. Oh, no. I, I wrote something like that. Um, <laughs> exit didn't warrant clapping <laughs> no not in the least and there was a couple like wh- what did he say exactly it's like uh, yeah it was something to the effect of you know after mrs garrett shouts at him he turns around and leaves and it's supposed to be kind of like a fonzie exit like a hey cool oh <laughs> we're so we're so happy whenever we see him we want to appreciate no him. he he doesn't have that kind of juice no, so no it is oh oh so bad terrible i love that i did write that down like exit did not warrant no did not warrant it and the audience kind of knew it they 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 that was what what claps were there that was pity that was, that was a pity oh, clap. Pity, they, like, thought, they thought it was over. Like, yeah. oh, no. <laughs> is, the, is the episode over? Can we okay. leave now? We've been here <laughs> for 16 hours. Yeah, we're five minutes in, <laughs> and these little girls can't deliver their lines. Oh, it's um, so... Okay. It's, yeah, it's pretty pretty awful. And uh, and I reiterate, I love this show. I'm doing this podcast because I love this show. Yeah. Season one, I cannot help you. <laughs> I got a shit on you. <laughs> But, so bad because you deserve they, it. But they got better because when you, when you know better, you do better. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> thank you, Oprah. <laughs> That's right. When people tell you who they are, believe mm-hmm. them, yeah. Ms. Uh, Dr. <laughs> Angelou. Then we move on into the next scene in the bedroom. Yes. And we've got the girls supporting uh, uh, Molly. Yeah. And uh, Blair, in particular, is being supportive in a somewhat misdirected, misguided way, yeah. because Blair is saying things like, having divorced parents is great. You get so many guilt presents. What's a guilt present? <laughs> yeah. And you get to spend, uh, you get to spend a Christmas with your dad and at your mom's. You get to have two, you know, two Christmases and things like that. Like, yeah, yeah. Blair's being kind of, uh, you know, helpful in that, seeing the bright side of things. Yeah, <laughs> she is. And, in um, her way. In, in her way. In Blair's, uh, consistent commendably consistent uh snobby girl with a heart of gold way they really she was really good like yeah uh blair's character and was lisa welchel welchel she did a fantastic job of the girl you loved it yeah Yeah, she was good that's why they kept her yeah and and i think one of the reasons is that that clicked in because she is so clearly better than all the rest of them. Yeah. And for that reason, she can, I don't think any of the rest of them are capable of playing two layers of you're snobby, but you're not a 
cunt you yeah. know it's like and i think that's why um the this is jumping to season two why do. her um her conflict with joe worked yeah. so well because they were so opposite and like yes um, uh blair and the other blonde one that got cut i can't remember her name sarah lou suan suan they were no. they were different enough no they were just yeah they they, they had the same yeah, it's, they are, and they're frenemies. We've always yeah. pitted them against each other. Um, but in in the scene, we're about to they about they do it spills over into them being downright bitchy and yeah, it's like it's like no, no, they're frenemies. We've had them be digging at each other like that, but, but in the next scene, they'll be alone in the room talking like friends do. Yeah, it's like because they're both blonde. It's like high, yeah, yeah. Highlander. There can only be one. I mean, well, apparently because yeah. she got cut. Yeah, and that whole, you know, just poking each other. Like, she always pokes fun at Sue Ann. Oh, this is terrible. She pokes fun at Sue Ann for being uh, a country girl. Okay. From, from India. And she also pokes fun. She's always making fat jokes at her. I'm very happy that there are no fat jokes here. In one episode, she gives her an out-and-out -out eating disorder. She starves herself. What? And then the next episode, she's calling her a fatso again. That little girl is... <laughs> It's like 95% hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cut the hair and you lose 40 pounds. But they're the same size. Yeah, exactly. It's like there's nothing... Bla Blair you know, might be a teensy bigger. bigger. Yeah, and we know Blair has bigger days to come. We know, <laughs> oh, my God. You know, we know that that's, that's just... That's, that's a fact of the facts of life. But their argument does get very heated and does spill over to the point of, no, stop, no, that's not, that's not your relationship. Yeah, and... You know, why add that to what's this yeah. particular episode is? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's things like, you know, well, well, we don't have divorce. And, and Sue Ann is so awful. We don't have divorce in Kansas. That's because we have perfect marriages. And Blair says, you don't have divorce because you can't figure out who would get custody of the cow. Uh, oh, my and God. Then Nally makes some cow joke. I can't remember what it was. They could make it into a hamburger and uh, cut it in half. Oh, that's what it was. And... Um, props to Mindy Cohn. She's delivering her jokes and not laughing at herself. Oh, she's she... starting to, we're starting to see Mindy Cohn come into her own. Yeah. Because as an untrained actress, you can see, and still to come, there are still moments where you can see she is fighting it. I always liked her. I want her to be my best friend. I, I just loved her growing up because I was like, oh, because she wasn't the pretty girl, no. but she was funny and charming. I'm like, well, I'm not the pretty girl, so mm -hmm. I'm going to be funny. Yeah, and, and she was still boy crazy. Yeah. Often you hear in, in synopses of the show, you hear the term boy crazy, Natalie, and that's kind of true. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, you, you hate to be so reductive as to say, well, we've in season two, we've cut it down to mm -hmm. the, the snobby one, the, the tough um, one, the, the fat one, one and the, the black, black one. one. Yeah. I'm sorry, the one and um so you know to to be so reductive of natalie as it's not that she's the fat one they never really no. talk about her no. weight. it's the fact that she is such an interesting personality yeah. and there was nobody like that on television mm -mm. that wasn't the butt of jokes that yeah. wasn't that's the thing she wasn't the butt of jokes no she she made those jokes. She was the funny one. She was the smart one. Yeah, yeah, and she, yeah, exactly. And she was smarter than all of them. And developed razor sharp, sharp. And tiny. a girl. You you didn't you didn't see razor sharp, sharp witty girls. Yeah, wisecracking girls. And I mean, not to not to equate anyone's experience, 
But similar to Tootie, she was treated as their equal. Yeah, Blair yeah, yeah. never, ever talked down to Natalie yeah. on a visual scale. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. never, ever happened. And it would have been such an easy yeah. trap for yeah. these lazy writers to fall into. Um, so we're back in the bedroom, yeah. and they're talking about that. Uh, Mrs. Garrett, Cindy, Nancy, you have planes to catch. <laughs> and Mrs. Garrett finally... Um, no, I'm sorry. We, we don't, we're not there yet. So she's, Mrs. Garrett is still trying to move the girls along yeah. and keep, keep them on task. But Natalie reveals, and I forgot this, the story that her parents were splitting up and got back together. Ah, what? That's new information. We're like, you know, we hadn't, not that we had expected to hear this type of a story from yeah. Natalie, but the fact is Natalie has a firsthand sort of parent trap experience yeah where she talks about she got mononucleosis. Which is awful, had it. Oh, me? No, yes. I have not. It's not I'm great. Lucky. It's not great. Um, so, and uh, again, we're bringing more Natalie in here. Natalie mm. tells the story of her parents and kind of does like a, a dramatic, like, you know, well, imagine I'm in the hospital. Picture and it. <laughs> picture, like it was like a Sophia. Sophia. <laughs> picture it. Um. So, and she does really well with it. It's like, yeah. oh, okay, I'm not sure two or three episodes ago you could have handled this. We have literally watched you. Wow, you've been in the trenches. That's right. You've been watching the beginning of this. Yeah. It, that's Well, this is episode 12. Oh, this is, so yeah. So you've... This is the 12th time Mindy Cohn has been in front of a TV camera. <laughs> it's like, I remind people of that. It's like, I mean, there is nothing, there's no two ways about it. She was not an, an actress so, yeah, when I she love came it. to them. That story of her... Getting sick with Mono and is bringing the parents together. That's how they got back together. Yeah, and so her parents got back to, but her parents got back together, and she says, and who knows, they might even get married. Which was like, oh, they're they're living together. So I'm like, did they get a divorce? Were they ever married? Yeah. So what kind of weird thing? Because you have, I mean, this is the '80s. If they, if this is. This isn't the 80s yet. This is 80. So we're still in the 70s. We're like, you know, um, yeah, it's a weird, this is just, this is part of the bad writing. Yeah, that's part of me. The joke is, one would expect her to say, who knows, maybe they might even get married again. Yeah. yeah. Because her parents were married. They're her parents. Yeah, and they, you can't, I don't think you can adopt kids when you. I don't think so either. There was no mention of this made that I recall in episode 10, which was about Natalie's adoption. But anyway, so with the information that getting her parents back together again was as simple as getting sick, <gasps> Sue Ann jumps in. Um, well, Molly says, well, that's never going to work for me because I'm not sick. Hold the phone. What do you mean, Sue Ann? Oh, here, put this robe on. You can be sick, but I'm not. Yes, yeah. You're you're looking a little flush now. What? What what do you mean? I'm not sick. You look like dog shit. Get in the bed. Oh, Oh. oh. this plan is doomed to fail. Exactly. Wow. It's it's pretty bad. It's it's a horrible plan. It's a terrible, horrible plan. Kansas is not your real friend. Yeah. Um... So uh, Blair, God bless her, says, this is the dumbest idea I've ever heard. This is not going to work. Blair I'm is awesome. team Blair this whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, 
And then Sue Ann says, it could work. And Blair says, if you think that's going to work, if you believe that's going to work, then you believe the bust ads in the back of magazines. Oh, and then... And who chimes in? Talking about busts? Tootie. Oh. Yeah. What do you mean they don't work? Or what do you mean? Like, clearly revealing that she does subscribe to the theories. They do work, Tootie. It's going to oh. take two to three years mm. for it to kick in. Yeah, it does. Then we move on back into the living room, and they're telling Mrs. Garrett about this horrible plan. And the, the way they do it is they say, she did a snow job. I do recall that term. Do people still say snow job? He, they, I don't think they still say it. I know the term. It sounded odd coming out of a, a, a you know, a tween's mouth. <laughs> I, I remember it, the and, term. And it didn't feel right. It, yeah. It didn't seem like it. There are, there are several middle-aged writers' voices that are heard coming it's out of little girls. A scam, a yeah. snow job, I tell you. <laughs> that was a real humdinger of a hoot nanny. <laughs> Bunch of grifters here. <laughs> Oh my God, that's awesome. Um, so I remember the term snow job coming out of a teacher who was very, very elderly. Exactly, exactly. So I think that's what's going on here. Anyway, um, Blair and Sue Ann go back at it again, mm. but they're friends now. It doesn't come to fisticuffs, <laughs> which is another old person term. Uh. Um, uh, so Mrs. Garrett is like, well, Wait a minute. So you've called your mother uh-huh. and you've told her you're sick and she's on her way. Does she know that your father is here already? No. Or, or that your father's well, she, coming. She, He's well, not even there yet. Wait, well, he, we she, haven't even gotten to Mr. Parker arriving. Well, Mr. Dr. She, Parker. She knew the mom would know that Dr. Parker was going to come because it's her his is his weekend. So would she? Was I subscribed that the show did not? Take that into account. <laughs> the idea that mom, I, I wrote a note here. Um, I have a note somewhere here, but but it, the the gist of the note is that. So wait a minute. She calls mom and says, "Hi, mom. I'm sick. I need you to come and get me. I need you to come see me." I think it was come. Yeah, it yeah. didn't make any sense. But the, but the mother would of course be like, "Okay, well, it's spring break, and I hadn't planned to see you." And so your dad. What, of course, she would be going with her dad. Of course, she knew her dad would be somehow yeah. involved. Or. You're so fucking sick. You got to call me there. I'm gonna call your dad and let him know. Oh, ex- yeah. Or have you called your exactly. father? Exactly. Like both of them should have talked to each other. Yeah. Well, if there were no cell phones. So if you're yeah. on the road, then so people didn't talk. Didn't people know how to talk to each I other? I guess you know if he then. was on the road, then she couldn't. The mom couldn't have called her dad because there's no cell phones and there was no way for right. But she could have asked, or she could have left a message with his answering service. Something. Or- it's- his secretary at his, no, no, his secretary at his orthodontist office is his girlfriend, we find. Oh, later my God. Uh, his receptionist. Um, so, um, anyhow, they've set this thing up, and then, um, yeah, I, I just put, does mom know? No, um, question mark. That was my thing. That was yeah. my moment of it. It was so, so weird. So, Mrs. Garrett is like, I cannot be a part of this. And the girls come back to Mrs. Garrett saying, Mrs. Garrett. Friends don't squeal. I know. Snitches get snitches. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, and then she kind of says, well, okay, but 
I think it's like, uh, well, there's nothing she could do to stop the mom from yeah. coming, but I'm not going to do this whole you're sick thing. I'm not going to be a party yeah. to that. Yeah, she did. Mrs. Garrett did draw a line. Yeah, yeah. But it was not an appropriate line. The appropriate was... line is, friends don't squeal. I'm not your fucking I'm friend. I'm not your friend. I don't know why you think yeah, that. Yeah, why do you think so? I'm friendly towards you, but I'm your yeah. authority figure. Yeah. I am... Oh, a little bit. So there's, this is not the first time Mrs. Garrett has, the, the line has been blurred. Maybe she's not good at her job. How, how did they choose this school to send their daughters I, to? I know. And, you know, and she could be elsewhere as a, as a pilot of a plane. Oh. She could be a maid cleaning toilets. She could yeah. also be a nurse somewhere because we know she has credentials for all of those things. Yes, she does. Um, so, uh, the silver Porsche. Ah. Uh-huh. So the arrival, I'm I, I'm talking too much. Let's let Trinell say. Oh, So no. now, heralding the arrival of Dr. Parker, how do they dramatically handle this? Well, like, this guy's coming. He looks snazzy. Not my dad. He dresses like a dentist. <laughs> and he has a Porsche. Not my dad. My dad has a, I don't know, a Dodge. Dodge Dart. D- dart. <laughs> and then walks in her father looking every bit of a night. Early 1980s divorce dad cliche. Yeah, a gold chain. Mm-hmm. His gla- his hair. Everything was just so cliche. And man, Molly gave him the business. Oh yes. <laughs> oh she yes. She was having none of it. Yeah, because he came. And you know what? I said gold chain earlier for Mr. Bradley because yeah. we have we have two dudes dressed. Similar. Yeah, that customer didn't have to no, stray far. No, if they were the same size, like, they just ordered two of them. Earth tone pimp. <laughs> yeah, everything. But yeah, he has that look. He has more of the. He looks more like Larry on Three's Company. Yes, he with, does. With Coke bottle just, glasses. Just. It's like contact lenses existed, dude. If I, you. Uh, I'm not sure. But I want him working Coke on my teeth. Glasses. Can he see? Holy, he looked like he looked like friggin. Um, who is it? Henry on Alice? Who was the who was the guy used to be on Alice? Oh, How I hello, dear oh. Marvin Marvin Kaplan is Henry. 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 That's right. Henry. He looked like he looked like Henry. Henry had these huge Coke bottles, and he but would come the, in and talk like this. Because I because I live in Phoenix, Arizona, like all the other people here. <laughs> that um, gold chain made me angry. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a pretty pretty hitch, and and I mean, and he didn't look bad per but se. It just. It said midlife scary. crisis. Yeah. It just said, like, you know, he has a Porsche. And, and he, he said that. Yeah. She says, Dad, where's your dart? Where's your suit and tie? What, you know, you, used to, you look so different. And he says, I had a midlife crisis garage right. sale. Yes. And um, so I'm kind of happy that they did, like, acknowledge the fact that he, yeah. he, he didn't look. I am so sorry. I take it back. The man bag comment was about her dad. Not okay. About Mr. Bradley did have a bag he with him. He had something with but him. But he was going traveling. Yeah. I guess that kind of makes sense. Dr. Parker, you just pulled up your car and you're walking in to pick up your daughter and carry her luggage, presumably. Why do you have a man purse? I didn't even notice. He I, had I a, was... He's the one that had the man purse the whole time and that my brain was going, there is no reason you wouldn't have left that in the car. There is Especially... no reason. When there was somebody else in the car. In the car, which, yes. Oh, that part. I'm not sure if you're ready for that part, but that yeah. just made me mad, too. Yeah. So the deal is they, they hug. There is a, you know, he, he like tries to get her to hug. And you do see her soften a little bit. I do, a little bit. And little then, daddy. <laughs> and then knock, knock, knock. There's a woman at the door. Oh, this. 
I don't even understand why this had to happen. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. His new lady friend meeting the daughter for the first time after never school. being, I mean, never spoken of, uh, doesn't even know this woman exists. Yeah. And like, hey, this is this is my lady friend. Yeah. I was so, it's so inappropriate. And so like, ill-timed. Why did she stay in the car and come later? Yeah, why did why she did come he... after him? It's like, but what? Yeah, just... yeah. Oh, oh, he forgot his man purse. That yeah. would have been a reason yeah, to have her oh, bring the purse in. Or like somebody's like, oh, oh gosh, something. Uh, the car went off. Or yeah, I or... don't know how to change the radio station, but that's <laughs> <laughs> something. It just was ridiculous. Because, like, when he left the car, did he say, "I'll be right back," or coming yeah. in five minutes? Like, yeah. Or, or does she say? Yeah, coming in five minutes. Or does she say, well, do you want me to come in? Have me, no, no, you stay no, no, here. no. I got scared. And I know. I know. Exactly. Why did you come? With a, with a, with a little present, like. <laughs> but yeah, Angela comes in. Um, actually, she hasn't come in yet. Yeah. We just see her at the door. Yeah. And um, so we thought that we was, would have lunch together yeah. before we go on the road. Just the three of us. And the cliffhanging line by Mrs. Garrett is... Oh, yeah. Molly's mother makes four. Yeah. And <sighs> it's like, oh, dear. Uh, and if there wasn't... And, and only Mrs. Garrett can deliver that Oh, line my like God. That. It was just... So then we go to commercial break. Dum, dum, dum. Uh, Molly yeah. looking hot. <laughs> Molly? She was looking... No, not hot. Sexy hot. Not I sexy. mean, mad hot. Yeah, oh, P.O. Salty. Yeah, like... Just... Yeah, that Dorothy Hamill, that grown-out Dorothy Hamill bowl-cut wedge was like, Just couldn't contain the fury. Clinched. Everything was clinched. Yeah. So we're at the commercial break. Oh. So what I always like to do is pause a little bit and get to know my guest a little. Oh. And talk to you, Trinell Mooring. Oh. Immediately nervous about this. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, just a simple McDonald's tour of your life as in, give us a quick rundown of where you were born. Okay. Where did you grow up? Where did you study, and then what brought you to Orlando? Oh, well, okay. I was born in Nuremberg, Bavaria, West Germany, and my dad was in the army, and my oh, mom... I, I'm like, are you kidding? I literally did yeah. not know that. <laughs> my dad was in the army, and my mom, you know, being married to him, <laughs> went, and I was born in uh, Germany. Wow. Um, right, so, are you, are you a citizen of Germany? Are you I dual? am not. I could, but I'm you know, just paperwork. Oh. Did, is your birth certificate... A German birth certificate then? Well, I was born on a U.S. military base. Oh, okay. So, or a hospital, so, so you know. Gotcha, gotcha. So we were there for two years, and then we moved to Houston, where my mom's from Texas. So, you know, they, she grew up in a small town in Texas, and they once they get of age, they just move out that little podunk town, and they all moved to Houston. Mm -hmm. So my dad, you know, and he, he got out of the military by then. You know, he had been in there for a while. He had gone to Vietnam, blah, blah, blah. So uh -huh. now he's out. So, um... Uh, I was in Houston until I was about 11 or 12, 10 or 11. And then my dad's job brought us to Orlando. He worked for Tandy. He's a, uh -huh. he's a computer guy. Tandy. Tandy. I remember I Tandy know. computers. Tandy. And then so I pretty much grew up in Orlando. I went to University of Florida. And then after I graduated there, I went to I got a degree in advertising, but I wanted to do acting. And I went to... Stella Adler Conservatory of Acting in New York City. It was a nice. when I went, that's what it was called. I think the name has since changed, like School of Acting. And it, yeah, <laughs> it was a two-year program, and I, now I think it might be three years. And mm -hmm. then, 
Um, graduated that in 2000, stayed another year, and then moved back to Orlando. Mm-hmm. And you are one of the many, many people I've had on who are the people in the trenches, working the work, yeah. doing it, the hustle. You are, you've been an equity actress since I've known you, haven't mm-mm, you? Mm-mm, when I did you go equity? Maybe 2011, because, uh, yeah, because I, I... Okay, maybe, I, I, you're right, I do remember that, yeah. Yeah. We were both non-ec when, yeah. we, did, when we did hate mail. I started Disney in 2006, and I didn't take my card, mainly because I knew, like, as long as I was working at Disney, I could always take my card whenever. Yeah. So I wanted to, and I wasn't sure if I was going to be traveling during theater, and then when or I started... having a baby. Yeah. <laughs> so when I started traveling... Surprise! <laughs> when I started traveling a little more, doing different shows around the, um, the state, I decided to take my equity card. Uh-huh, yeah. You are at Disney, where we we work together in a lot of places, don't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you are at you are at Disney where you have been under contract. I was on under contract like two separate occasions. In two separate occasions, but yeah. you've mostly been a substitute, but yeah. uh, uh, frequently working. I, so, l- I actually like being a sub. Yeah. yeah. I It's times, stressful, but I like it. Yeah, the times that I've not been under I'm I'm currently under contract. And I have been the last couple of years, but yeah, the times when I've not, if you have enough roles between Disney, Universal, and other places like, uh, like I work at Sleuths, we know people who work at Titanic, you work for the Orange County History Center, do I you not? I do, I do. I play um, uh, two famous uh, black Floridians, one uh, Zorna Hurston and another one uh, Bessie Coleman. Mm-hmm. So yeah, fun little gig. Yeah. So yeah. And, um, yeah. So as I've said, actors in Central Florida need to keep their employment portfolios diversified. Yeah. You need to keep a lot of roles in a lot of different places, and um, and you're one of the best examples as far as floating between the established gigs. But then you also will head off to St. Petersburg and do a play at Freefall. Yeah. Or you'll my... do a show at Mad Cow. I, for any actor under contract who may lose their contract at a theme park, I wish for them the life that you have, <laughs> the career you have. I've had little tiny doses of it, but the, the good news and the bad news of it is I always get sucked back into yeah. a contract at a theme park. And that's the last thing you will ever hear me complain about. Yeah, Boo-hoo, yeah. sad me, I can't do a show at, at the Winter Garden Theater in Winter Garden. It's like because of scheduling, because of shifts and stuff. It's just that yeah. goes with the territory. Do you want the stability and the benefits or do you want your freedom? Yeah, well, I mean, and I, I kind of like the fact that, you know, I had a contract my first year and then I lost it. So... um I never, from the, I never put all my eggs in one basket. Yeah. Even in, when I did have a contract, yeah. I was always just sh- little things. You never, you, you never, never know. know. Yeah, never know. And yeah, uh, you never know. We've, we've <laughs> we, we we will not talk oh. about recent events where ah. at at any time a gig, all shows close, <gasps> like, all gigs what's that end. Now? <laughs> yeah, it was like, well, I have I have whiplash from. Watching friends walk out the door. Yeah, and it's, so it's sad and it's it's difficult, but it's that's that's the negative side of the greatest, most amazing career, most fulfilling and um, lucky career that mm. we are able to do it at all. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, that's been lovely. Uh, I've enjoyed uh, learning more, getting to know. Uh, you. I'm type 
O positive. <laughs> uh, okay, very nice. And uh, let me see. And your sperm count is? Three. I thought so. Um, so we come back from commercial now. We have been watching our X-lax and our K-O-Pectate and yes. our uh, Preparation H. Mm-hmm. Wow, I went really anal yeah, there. I know. Wow. Plop, plop, fizz, fizz. <laughs> oh, what a relief it I is. Went, I went right for the yeah, toilet I know you shit. went just straight up, though. Damn. Not, not, I didn't have to, I didn't, I didn't go for Stella Doro breakfast treats. No, you did not. Or, or Rice-A-Roni, mm, the San Francisco treat. Yeah, or Mrs. Butterworth, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> Please don't squeeze a Charmin. Yes. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. We, could, we could go. If you dare wear short shorts, never wear short shorts. Wow. We, I would love to talk. I want to talk more like this. <laughs> I, want, I want to just keep going and just keep riffing with you. But okay. So we have come back from our commercial. And Molly's Molly still mad. Is mad. And she says this I wish I could believe the writers were this clever to understand yeah. the contradiction in the line of um Molly saying, How can you be with her? You should be with mom. And the father says, Well, I wasn't happy. Your mother and I weren't happy when we were together. And Molly says, Well, I was happy when you were together. You're just selfish and you don't love me. And she runs out of the room. Like, who's the selfish one here? Mm -hmm. I would love to think it was the writers trying to be like, yeah, we want to capture the, you know, the inconsistencies and the different emotional levels. Uh, No, I think it's just, (laughs) I think they just wrote that because they said, we need her to say something bratty and storm off. Storm off. Uh Uh-huh. So then we are Blair, wheelness, fix it, doesn't feel good. Okay. Then we move on to the bedroom. <laughs> it's like a theater director giving notes. Oh, how many theater directors? <laughs> Ellen Brune, how many theater directors? I don't know what that like, is. like, I can't read my notes I don't there. know what that I is. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Trinell, terrible. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Trinell, terrible, no. change. What? I, I don't know. I don't know what that was. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and then before the scene ends... Blair says, this is one time it doesn't feel so good to be right. Yeah, because, you know, Blair said this plan was trashed from the beginning. So. Yeah, she was, and like she said, and that's that's a nice thing for yeah. Blair to say. And then they could have like, made her such a bitch. I'm going to go upstairs and talk to Molly. I yeah. don't even know, were they, that, were they that tight? I mean. No. <laughs> it's like the writers didn't really it's know just, what these characters were about. Spitballing. It's all spitballing. Anyhow, then we go up to the bedroom, and Molly is lamenting her situation. She's singing the blues. With a ukulele. Though singing the blues as well as a little white girl kid. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I like somebody played Annie. <laughs> uh-huh. Actually, I don't think she ever played Annie. I think she was an orphan or, oh, in was... the L.A. cast. Oh, so. If my research, if I'm remembering my research correctly, I thought she had played Annie, but she's no Sarah Jessica Parker. No. Nuh-uh. But she was in the L.A. cast, so she clearly sings. She's got a good yeah, voice. Yeah, she didn't. Little girl voice, yeah. but it's a good voice. Um, I have a little issue okay. with Molly's ukulele playing. Mm. I realize she is a young girl. Yeah. We have seen her do this in an earlier episode. And it is very, very clear she doesn't play. It's not a skill that she showed up with that they said, oh, let's utilize that. It's not. She <laughs> is just strumming. Yeah. And and the sad thing is a ukulele is the easiest. It's not hard. You can hold one string on one fret. You could even put a damn 
piece of gum on it to hold it there. And you've got and a get C. A, a C major chord. You can get a C major chord. And it's so clear she doesn't sing because she strums this awful whatever it is and then sings her thing about, right, singing the blues and she never strums it again. She no, does she's, not... She got herself a pitch. <laughs> yeah, she just went brim and doesn't do, doesn't, you know, strum, boy, am I disgusted. Strum, brum. I've got a strum brum. to sing the strum brum. blues. <laughs> no. It's like, that's how you would, if you played the instrument, you do yeah. it. So I don't know why, because, mm. because. We needed more dimensions of Molly. We have political activist, we have feminist, we have chatty. Let's have her also be the ukulele playing like, song and dance girl. Like Coachella. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's problematic. Her singing is fine. She's she's And the fine. audience applauds like they do anytime anyone does something. Remotely yeah. not sitting well, down. Anything that remotely shows talent. Yes. It's, it's in short supply here. Um, so we finally, we have Blair and Mrs. Garrett. And what we've got here is we finally have Mrs. Garrett doing what she does best in nurturing, yeah. low voice, soft talking mother mode. And she basically says, was it really that much better before when your parents were together? Well, they was yeah, yeah, they would fight. Yeah. Well, they learned how to fight while in front of me. <laughs> yeah, it, they'd argue in front of me. Blair points out, oh, I know that, the arguing while they smile. Yeah. So, you know, Blair is there to still add the support from her experience. Yeah. And then um, at one point, Molly says, it's better than nothing. Is it? <laughs> uh-huh. And then they say, is it? And then she said, yeah. And they would, um, but it was going to get better. Well, they would get better if they loved me enough. Oh. And God bless her. The, the final blow of the episode that makes it all right is yeah. Blair. Yeah, she like really, you know, got all like deep and personal. And is that when she was talking about how, you know, she's had a, a father and two stepfathers and they've never like fought and loved her the way that she yeah. saw that little Molly's dad. Yeah. And I'm like, dang, Molly's dad didn't even do much. <laughs> yeah. But they did share a nice hug. She yeah. points out, I saw the way your dad hugged you yeah. and the way he talked to you. And that's also sad. Like, dang, you can't yeah. get a hug from your dad. Yeah, exactly. But but Blair, the line, I wrote yeah. it down here, is Blair says, you know, I don't envy anyone, mm -hmm. but watching you hug your dad, I came pretty close. That got me in the soft parts of my heart. I, that touched me in my feelings place. Yes. I was like, wow, I think... You know, that's, that is probably the most effective line of all 13 of these season one episodes. And that's why she made the cut. Made the, the cut. The Lord of the Flies. <laughs> she could. And thankfully they had already established that Blair mm. could be this caring and sensitive while also maintaining her status and her well, vanity. Well, they gave it, she had, she had layers. She was a, she was a human. She was, she was an actual person they've created. Yeah. Instead of just, you know. Yeah. So, Facts of Life Season 1, you got one great big point yeah. in the plus column. That's good. With this line. And um, and then to break this beautiful moment, we have to have the comedy, and Sue Ann comes back in. <sighs> okay, so here's what I'm going to say. When your mother gets here, we're wow. going to tell them that the father's girlfriend is actually my sister. No, girl. And, yeah. No, girl. No, just shut it down. Yeah, just... Shut we, it we down. We fixed it already. Yeah, yes. we didn't need you. Matter of fact... We don't. 
need you. Yeah. <laughs> the show does not need you, it turns out. Oh, no. <laughs> so Molly says, no, we're not going to do this. We're going to take care of it. We'll deal with it. And then uh, we're back in the living room. Mr. Bradley comes back. Which I thought, I was angry about this. You and he tries to pass it off like, well, one of my girls is in pain. I have to come running. And then later he fesses up. He missed his plane. Oh, is, oh, is that what happened? I thought that he came back because his girls were in pain and he... Has a, oh, yeah. you're right. Yeah. You're right. No, no, no. He, he did. He, he came he, back he came, allegedly. Yeah. No, but no, he came back really to take care of the Molly situation. He was willing to miss his plane. Yeah. And, and then he says, and then they say, it's all take care of. He's like, I just missed, missed my, my plane, plane to Hawaii. For this. For, for this, this. For this To come garbage. back to nothing. I was like, that's why you should not have known. Yeah. It's just, no. no. And. <laughs> on this, I was like, nope, go on your vacation. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And again, why did it take you so long? What the well. fuck? What was that? Was the slowest? That's the longest slow burn take. What the fuck was that? <laughs> and then, um, so then Molly fesses up to her dad, and she goes back into chatty Molly when she fesses yes. up about what's going on. Oh, never. I forgot just how much I love you. Oh yeah, that's it. Oh, daddy. And then Angela, um. So she's like, so, oh, my God, so mom can't meet Angela or something like that. And the father's like, no, they know each other. They're friends. Well, they're working on it. Yeah. But he's like, your mother has a friend, too, you know, has a friend of her own type of a, a thing. They have problem with communication in, yeah, the, in, we, in the Parker household. It, it, yeah, we do. We definitely do. Oh, my gosh. And, oh, sorry about Angela. The dental hygienist. Really? Yeah. The Really? Yeah. That's right. And she's a hygienist, not receptionist. Yeah, she's, she's the, the hygienist. She's all up in there with him. Yeah. So Mr. Bradley says that he missed his plane for this. That's the last note I made. How did the episode end? I think with them all jumping in the air with a fist and pump. Fist pump. And, and, and then it, free, and it yes. freezes. I think that's Just what like I'm... the end of the movie My Tutor. <laughs> so it ends with Mr. The, the last thing that happens mm. is Mr. Bradley says, I missed my plane for this, for nothing. Mm. And he had made an earlier reference to being on the beach with a pig, pig and a lua. And so the hilarious line that ends the entire episode, Mrs. Garrett says, Isn't this better than being on the beach with a pig and a luau? <laughs> oh, Mrs. Garrett. No, it's not. No, no, no it's not. Not in the least. This is a shitty, terrible. I could have terrible, been getting laid. <laughs> this is a shitty, awful sitcom. Yes. Uh, a Hawaiian vacation beats this, and many, many other things in between. Oh my gosh. Oh, and the, what's Lord. the moral of this episode? What? <sighs> the moral of this? I is there one? Just. It's if your parents are getting a divorce, fucking deal with it. Deal with it. Stop. Stop making it harder. <laughs> yeah, and and demand that your parents communicate with yeah. you about it, and tell the school and yeah, yeah. and demand that your parents keep people in the loop and that the adults around you could support. Teachers you. are not your friends. Yeah, and teachers are not your friends, but uh, they can help. Yeah, and it's okay for a ten-year-old to be flat-chested. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, totally that's, fine. That's the moral. It's okay for a ten-year-old to be flat-chested. <laughs> yeah. But it's like the whole thing of um, there's. 
I'm sure you are you are not a child of divorce as I am not a child mm-hmm. of divorce. So we yeah. cannot relate. Your no. parents have been married how long? 45 years. 45 years. Together for like 46. Yeah. My parents had just passed 40, I think, when my mom passed away. Mm. And um, the there was that cloak of our marriage is private. Our children don't know anything about it. Yeah. And the big wild explosion of divorce after the sexual revolution and all yeah. that stuff, you know, kind of blew that open. But people still were slow and still are to some extent slow to... You got to talk to the kids. Yeah. That's, you don't... My dad used to live with me and now yeah. he's just gone. How how devastating must that be? I mean, I mean the divorce with full-on, um, like, communication is probably devastating for kids. Yeah. But I mean, just, you know... Yeah, the whole sense of... and. And I imagine the difficult thing is dealing with the kids is that because of the complexities of adult relationships, of adult negotiations yeah. within the relationships, that is something children just literally cannot understand. They're incapable yeah. of understanding anything beyond black and white. You're yeah. together, you're apart. Black you, and white. Oh, <laughs> look what I just did. <laughs> well, yeah, see, and I think the kids... Just going through um, the, um, their parents getting divorced, I think they need like constant reassurance that you know it's all right. This is not your fault. And if their parents aren't even telling them about the divorce at all, yeah. You know. And and the other very important thing that we've learned over time is that the parents have got you. It's like you've got to find some amicable something to cling to. Yeah. Because if you tell your kid. That their other parent is a piece of shit. Yeah. The kid will automatically take it that I am half of a piece of shit. Yeah. That's just one of those psychological. There yeah. are kabillions of yeah. studies out there that are like it is. It does nobody they any are, good. Uh, like a serious, dangerous, hot mess. <laughs> yeah. You know. Oh, like you know, a yeah. drug addict yeah. who keeps guns yeah. unlocked yeah. in the house. Then that's different. And even so, like you know, we just can't be around. You know, yeah. It could be mom. Let's, or- <laughs> yeah. Let's. Yeah. Let's. Spend less time at daddy's. My okay, daughter. okay. Not that the daddy's always the bad. It's one. always the daddy's it's the bad. Not always. The daddy's. I, I know it's not always the daddy's. <laughs> <laughs> well, Trinell, I hope you will come back for a good episode. <laughs> maybe one of the. Maybe we'll have you back for one of the few episodes where where black is a thing on the show. <gasps> where black. Where the black is, is the, the thing. thing. But um, I'm so happy you you actually kind of came to me. You had heard about it and you were like, I want to do I want to do this. Why aren't you asking me? So I am. But yeah, I had, a, I had a good time. I was a little nervous. That I would just kind of be sitting here like. Uh-oh. Yeah. No, they never need to worry because I will always talk and fill in the <laughs> gaps for hours and hours. Yay. See you on Wait, the... are you still serving food if I come back? Serving. Oh. So, so, am I still going to food? If I, I... I did promise you snacks. I, I, I like snacks. And I may have transformed the snacks into pizza and uh, nutter butters. I can do a lot of pizza. My nutter butters. Okay. That is a classic Trinell line from the streets of Hollywood Studios. My nutter butters. So in honor of that, we have nutter butters. And I think we, we need to go eat them right now. Yes. Okay. I'm eating Bye. <laughs> And there it is. Trinell ran out of the room. She didn't open the door. She left a Trinell-shaped cutout hole in my office door. It was like we were in a Roadrunner cartoon. But that is why I love her. I keep saying it. Check out our website, facethefactspod.com. I really mean it. Check it out. Connect to us on social media. Watch for postings. 
rate, review, and subscribe. I don't know what else to say. I keep saying it the same thing over and over. Mostly, the biggest, most important thing to say is thank you so much for listening. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Thank you.